Welcome to Money for Nothing Penny Fractions Edition or something. We're uh, we got we're here. I'm I'm joined with Sam and we're Dave. workshopping names. Yeah, I'm, I'm joined. <laughs> yo yo. Yeah, that's David Turner from Penny Fractions. We are we are uh, fractions for money. This is our this is our first our our first uh, episode um, with you as a collaborative team. And uh, yeah, we're going to be offering you a lot of these sort of like freewheeling, maybe slightly shorter, maybe not um, episodes where we discuss, uh, just have a conversation basically about um, what's happening in the headlines, what you're writing about in your newsletter. And I think today we are jumping into the sad news of Bandcamp. It's, it's over. The dream's dead. The worst, the most Wawa trouble. Well, I wouldn't say... David, is the dream not dead? Yeah, I wouldn't say the dream's dead, though, because um, I was, well, again, hey, I'm David Turner, you know me, you love me. I don't think the dream, yeah, I'll come through with a hot take. I'm not sure the dream is dead quite yet. I was just reading a, a newsletter whose name I already forgot that said that it, it appeared, at least from their reading of, I guess, X feeds, I'm saying X, not the other, uh, uh, not the name of the social media site, but X, that site. Um, they were say- saying that it seemed to be a lot of like senior management had let, were being let go, a lot of people on the editorial side, and like a lot of folks who weren't sort of like the nuts and bolts engineers keeping the website alive, which kind of to me sounds a bit like the Twitter layoffs that happened last year this year i don't remember um where it's like they just basically gutted it just to keep like the bare the bare minimum of the thing going which i guess if you're like an artist on Bandcamp, you can take is like well the site may not collapse tomorrow so don't no reason to run for the hills quite yet and, and just just to give a little just to give a little little context here oh yeah yeah, yeah no, no no just if, if you if you haven't read the headlines um epic games which bought Bandcamp like uh less than a year ago year no change. more than a year ago but not that long ago about a year ago yeah we had an episode about it we can go ahead and link to it in the show notes but then uh they recently sold Bandcamp to song trader which you guys can explain more about what, what song trader is but at, for like 300 million and then uh basically in the last which, 20 while we don't know what they bought it for is much less we're pretty sure oh. like it doesn't seem like epic turned this around for a big for a big w no, it definitely seems like. I mean, also, it would make it'd be pretty hard to imagine that Epic Games, who bought Bandcamp in March 2022, which, if we all can remember, the early 2022, right before like crypto crash, right before Netflix and all the tech companies like stocks crash and they started implementing like multiple rounds of layoffs, it was like they bought Bandcamp basically at like the peak of the co- like one of the peaks of the COVID bubble. Yeah, um, it, 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 yeah. Just reading from this Guardian article that was published today, it says that uh, Song Trader is valued over three hundred million, and um, just this past March acquired, I don't know, some competitor. Anyways, that doesn't matter. But yeah, so uh, in the last twenty four hours, it then came out that um, in the last twenty four hours, it just came out that uh, over fifty percent of the staff of, of of Bandcamp has been laid off, and you were saying that it's it's heavily like editorial. Yeah, well, again, based on a news that I was reading earlier today, obviously a lot of these facts will come through in the coming days and weeks, but it seems like it was heavily on the editorial side, senior management, and then just sort of folks who were not like within sort of the core engineering product and sort of design teams, it seems. So again, not to be glib, but it's one of those things where you can read the headlines, 
be rightfully upset, be rightfully concerned, and we'll get into all of that. But I don't imagine that like SoundCloud as a platform is going to like immediately deteriorate or start immediately falling apart. Bandcamp, like, David. Bandcamp, sorry. <laughs> oh my god, whatever, whatever. Freudian slip, baby. <laughs> it's not. It's actually the same thing. All these companies. I mean, I'll say this, but like all these companies are basically the same to me at this point. They're all like waiting just to have massive layoffs. And just interesting. In case Why it do you seems say that? Un- Wait, I, I want to know why you say that. Well, I say that because, like, most of them... Okay, so, like, not, not to be... T- yeah, just to go back for one second. Almost every tech company across the globe, really, hired so many people during the pandemic because they thought what happened between June 2020 and, I guess, December 2021 was going to be going on forever. And they bought and hired with that assumption. And many of them are coming face to face with the reality of that's no longer the case. And in fact, many of those companies, which were never profitable or have not been profitable for numbers of years, are now having to face face a world of higher interest rates and are now just kind of like, to me, these kind of semi-zombie companies just sort of walking around with like a sense of, oh, we don't make money. We don't really know how we're going to make money. And we definitely are not going to be able to survive at our current state, like our current pace. So we're just going to have to keep laying people off. I say this as someone that it was laid off at SoundCloud's second round of layoffs in 12 months. And I've seen at that company, the atrophy hit really hard where after the first round of layoffs, a lot of people skedaddled. And after the second round of layoffs, people were like, why am I going to wait around to get fired? And just started leaving in droves. And I've seen similar things happen with a number of crypto companies, again, much quieter, smaller scale, where it's like after that first round of layoffs, everyone's kind of like, I don't need to kind of wait around to see the writing on the wall here. I kind of can like read the room. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing is, it's interesting, David, what you're saying about that um, is, you know, before we get back to the bank camp in, in particular, is what's interesting about these little zombie companies that you're kind of laying out is like the unlike a lot of like full bubble companies you know what i mean right that are like why do you even exist a lot of these companies are ones that like maybe aren't don't have a clear way of making money but have stuck around for long enough many of them because you know we, we were in that low interest rate environment for a really long time um stuck around for long enough that they've got real user bases they are they're they're genuinely part of people's lives they're genuinely genuinely part of people's like you know uh, experience of the world and have been some of them for close to a decade if not longer and so it is this funny thing where it's like it's not clear how they're gonna grow but also like they do actually it's not crypto. They do actually exist. No, Sam, you're absolutely correct. That unlike a lot of crypto companies, sorry, I keep a close eye on a lot of crypto stuff just because I still think it's very funny um, that billions of dollars are invested into basically like securities fraud that, you know, some of these companies have been taken out. Some more will be taken out and who knows what happened. Anyway, but yeah, Sam, to your point that, yeah, like a lot of these companies, like a band camp in- included, are have been around for like well over a decade and some of them may not be as profitable as Bandcamp once was or or maybe even still is today who really knows um but yeah like a lot of them are going to have to sort of figure out what is sort of their future and how they're going to kind of look i guess like from my vantage point increasingly i'm kind of just like yeah if y'all don't figure it out a lot of the people that work at these companies are just going to wake up one day and go like i don't need to work at a place where like i'm going through anticipating a third round of layoffs. Like, that's just not, like, a 
that's not something as someone that just goes to work every day you're like excited to do even if you like the company and respect what it's doing it's like the second round of layoffs kind of like tells you the door is probably like coming for you very soon david the, the the thing with Bandcamp though is it's also interesting is like it's this product but also i mean and i assume most people who listen to this show like are aware of Bandcamp, but it's also been built out this kind of avid community and like one of the best editorial selections on on the music internet right which which does seem like this is going to be the major hit of the company that one of the major hits is that like that editorial team that's produced like fabulous work at Bandcamp daily just seems like it's it's gone yeah, the JJ Skolnick, who a longtime editor at Bandcamp, who I've actually like, I think worked under because I've actually published some articles back in the day with Bandcamp. Um, I think they've been there eight years. Yeah, they got they're they're one of the ones that got laid off. And yeah, it definitely feels like, yeah, I mean, regardless of like what Song Trader plans to do with Bandcamp, and I imagine it's going to probably use it for like music licensing or something. Um, it does seem that if the, even if the sort of the platform remains the same, like bands will still be able to like sell their music. It does seem like the editorial side of things is kaput. Yeah. Even though I guess, I don't know. I guess this is just like, the, I don't want to say the cynic in me, but just like Bandcamp's editorial efforts are really great. I've ran for Bandcamp before. Really awesome. They usually pay pretty well. But, like, even when I was writing for Bandcamp, I guess it would have been at this point maybe, like, six or seven years ago, I also have this sad feeling, and you guys have talked about this before, but it's, like, the already degraded state of music media that writing for Bandcamp was one of the good ones just felt, just felt like such a fall from where things had been in previous decades or even maybe a decade or 15 years ago. So... Again, I'm not happy and don't want to see anyone lose their jobs and sort of see the dirt, even further dearth of music journalism. But it also kind of just makes me feel, again, like questioning a little bit of what even is the role of something like music journalism at this mm. moment. Yeah, and, and I think that's a really important, one of the two major threads of this, because it did feel like, and, and I think, it, you know, it might be presumptuous, David, but like what I assume partially part of your feeling about that is that, Bandcamp Daily was this amazing source for music journalism, but it was like attached to a marketplace, yeah, basically, yeah, exactly. right? Like it, right. it was not a money making endeavor on its own terms. I don't think. Like it felt a lot more like Red Bull Music Academy, where like someone somewhere was making money, and for some reason it was like being channeled through the. This like music cultural reportage and like maybe and you could totally argue that like part of like the band camp ethos and the overall like vibe of why that website create, you know, uh, established the devoted following that it had was that it had this editorial component and that people would go through it and find stuff partially based on the writing and like that it was all part of the same thing. And that's an argument I definitely have some time for. But it also the fact that it's not like this music writing sells subscriptions the way that like spin worked in the nineties meant that like when push comes to shove and when like axes start to fall, the, that it, that it's, it's has a lot less of like a, like a high ground to retreat back to, which is what what seemed unfortunately like it, it happened may have had at least been part of the reason of what happened here. Yeah, no, totally. And I think that's kind of a bit why, 
yeah, it's like a bummer and I'm like not happy, but it's honestly like to me, like something like Red Bull Music Academy, like in retrospect, one of the reasons I like I liked it in the moment and liked it even more in retrospect that it was also a little bit more niche and then it covered a very specific just kinds of music and genre that had to do with the editorial people that were, were there and all that. And I feel like it as like a holistic project is one that like feels a bit more coherent and a little bit more like complete to me where Bandcamp, because again, it was attached to a full marketplace and thus was wanting you to understand a big totality, not even a big totality, but like a decent amount of the stuff that's uploaded up, up, up there every day. To me, it was always a little bit more scattershot and lacked a little bit of the curatorial vision that, like, I guess having grown up, especially reading Pitchfork in the 2000s, I really, like, appreciated and really, like, always wanted out of music journalism. And I feel like it never really, it never scratched that itch for me. And so in some ways, it never felt as, like, immediately relevant as even, like, some smaller blogs I've seen come up the last couple of years where it's like, hey, well, at least I know they're going to be writing about, like, some random, like, Milwaukee rapper that I've never heard of. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, at least like I know that you're gonna be covering <laughs> that kind of beat along with like random SoundCloud shit versus like, oh, we're gonna be covering world music today, ambient music tomorrow, funk tomorrow, like funk the next day. So I can, it's like, it's always a little too- Well, and also, well, I just wanna push back on that just a little bit, David, because I do oh, feel yeah. like I hear that, but I also feel like um, there was a kind of, while the, the, the editorial side of Bandcamp did cover a lot of different things, like there was like over-representation of certain Bandcamp-related niche genres. Like the fact that there was both a monthly roundup of ambient music <laughs> and field recordings was like... <laughs> Um, was like a gesture towards the kind of audience of people who were like spending money on Bandcamp, and I think that did maybe have some of that holistic, uh, like editorial focus. That's a great point. Yeah, it's I mean, I, it's point. interesting. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It, it's funny that like that like we're like uh, reminiscing about like the Halcyon days of like uh, a Red Bull Music Academy, which did great work, but you know was and I think maybe the reason why we liked it was because of the fact. I mean, I also worked there, but like the reason why we liked it was because it it was hands off like red bull was just like giving them money but like now it's like the editorial does have seem to have to be tied to some sort of service or brand because i think that like red bull still does editorial stuff on music and other things but it's just so heavily catered towards servicing the brand of red bull now and I think also the thing I think about I think, you're right about that. And I think and also the thing about I think also I think that the, has to do with the influencer economy. Yeah, well, I think also I was gonna say one more thing. Like the one thing is like I would just say that the the thing about like Bandcamp that maybe always felt a little uh, unsatisfying was that there really was no critical edge. It was just championing everything. Like it never was like, nah, you know that third Proto Martyr album, nah, it was all right. You know, it never did that. It was either like positive or nothing. Which is also something that we've kind of seen change in the I think a lot more into like the last like I don't know what you want to say like ten years or so ten plus years totally and also and I would say that like even on a critic as a like as someone that's write a criticism for like a good chunk of my life I'd be I'm fine with a, a thumbs up thumbs down like if that was sort of the binary but when you don't even have that and it's just all everything it's just kind of like hey it's, you should listen. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that information as a reader. Like I forgot what <laughs> publication I was reading, but they just have like a quick, like um, three or four movie reviews, like very brief movie reviews, thumbs up, thumbs down. And I was like, Oh, thank God. Just tell me if this Netflix movie is worth my time in like 
30 seconds, the same way that you pick up like an alt weekly, or if you pick up like a magazine back in the day, you don't get like a thousand word review. You get like a 150 word review and you can know everything you need to know and keep it kind of moving. I mean, thinking about those two things though, I think so. So Saxon for, for what you were saying, well, okay, David. So the the one thing about about like the the no Fine, negatives don't talk or to negatives is like <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> no, no, no. Is is like um, I do think that there's a different. It's kind of the the, the question of media is important. Medium is important here, right? Like in movies, there's a limited number of movies that are getting buzz, and so there is this funny thing now where like, and similarly, there's only on Bandcamp the what would be the point of even Proto Martyr, right? Which is like a quasi big indie band, maybe like post post punk or whatever they are, right? Like, like literally given the fact that it's not like, is this good or bad, but like, does it exist or does it, um, to quote my friend, Ben Richmond fall directly to the bottom of the internet. Like, (laughs) like a negative review in that context doesn't do anything really. I mean, so it's this funny thing where, like, the only things that get negative reviews now are, like, either, like, uh, every once in a while, a, like, statement negative review of, like, <laughs> a rock band right or, yeah. like, the new Drake record every single time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, mean, I don't like be, unless yeah. the, you need to have a shared critical vocabulary. And I think there is a thing where, like, if you have without a shared universe of established aesthetic touchstones and like bands that are in a scene together, it's very hard to have a negative review. So, I mean, you could, I imagine like have a more nuanced negative conversation in like what you were saying, David, like a a site that's more devoted to a specific scene. Like if you're like, Oh, we're fourth wave, we're a fourth wave emo site. Like, yeah, well we're all here. We all know the fourth wave emo band. So like, I don't like the front bottoms or mom jeans or whatever. Similarly, like you can imagine like, Oh, in a rap site being like, Oh, we don't like Griselda being a meaningful position, but not in like the broader world of universe, which kind of brings you back to that, that, that maybe critique of Bandcamp, which is like, does, is there even a, a meaningful aesthetic or cultural project in reviewing everything? in this Yeah. Day and age? Yeah. I mean, th- I mean, I think that's a great point. I, I, but I think maybe it might be a good idea to sort of like just. Sorry, I, I don't, I don't. I, I just want to move the conversation to away from the fucking crisis of criticism, which has been around for like fucking yeah, 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 hundred no, fucking totally, years. Totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think I'm more interested in the idea of the fact I that mean, like it has to be frameworked, like or sorry, that like the only critic. There, I think I'm more interested in the fact that there is no criticism now, and it's just like any kind of editorial is just linked to a brand or a service, and even that as we see going back to the original topic song traders like nah we probably don't really need this now that we don't really have actually no clue what's going to happen with with the song trader owned bandcamp and maybe they'll keep some sort of editorial but nonetheless like i think there was already kind of an issue with it cuz that it, like you like you two said it was tied to a service and like now it'll be maybe so transparently tied to a service <laughs> that it will just be become even worse like instead of like what's the hot well, new mean, like I, ambient I think... music be like what's the hot new ambient music that can soundtrack your indie film that you're trying to get into uh, a film festival <laughs> well i mean I, I, saxon i think that like you said something really interesting about bandcamp right which is that there was this like hands offness to the relationship between the like the kind of cultural stuff that they were promoting and the sales of the thing. 
And I just wonder if one of the things that's undercut, because I think that used to be the model for a really long time, right? It's like, it's not exactly clear the relationship between advertising and selling a whole bunch of a thing. And so you kind of like uh, throw money into a project and it makes a big splash and then you assume it comes back. And that one of the things that you get with the influencer economy is the ability to micro-target specific areas with a lot of data based around like very, very hyper-targeted niche. You know, it used to be like in the old days, it was, a, you know, it was this major marketing breakthrough in the 70s of like dividing America into, I don't know, like 50 or 60 different like quote-unquote tribes, right? There was like the up-and-coming hipsters and the like, uh, like, you know, guns and blue jeans, which was different than like the Western cowboys and like, but even compared to that, the fact that like companies now are able to micro-target audiences isn't like the people who like X, Y, or Z person, like that that I do feel like undercuts this like fairly this one patronage model that like maybe helped su- support music journalism in the wake of the like it's possible to sell magazines. So before we get to like the weirdness of Song Trader which is like the other half of this story. There's another part of the weirdness here, which is like uh, questions of corporations and unions, right? Like Bandcamp had a union. Uh, this is the awkward ass. This is the awkward conversation. <laughs> well, no, I mean like this is, there's a, this is the awkward conversation we don't want to have, but we need to have. <laughs> well, I mean, look, Bandcamp, it seems kind of like Bandcamp had a union. Epic, which I don't think is unionized, but like unionization in, yo, but like if there's going to be a major culture sector unionization push, it's in video games, right? They, I think those video game companies are scared shitless of unions and their workers because those unions, those workers do a lot of work. There's a lot of ways you could unionize those companies and it would be a big deal for video game companies that are just raking in cash. So Epic doesn't really like unions and Bandcamp had a union. And there is a version of this, which is that like Epic got interacted with the Bandcamp union and was sort of like, I don't know about like <laughs> all of this union. Let's just this. sell the fucking company. <laughs> we out. Like, no, like A, we but out. We don't know if that's B, the case. Like, we don't know if that actually No, but happened. like, but like the, the version where like <laughs> a company hires a union buys a unionized thing and then like flips it and like guts the union isn't and you know the conspiratorial version is flips it to a company they're already working with in doing so guts the union gets the services from Bandcamp that they wanted to get in the first yes. place but because there's now a subcontractor between them and the workers yes. they don't actually have to be the assholes and they can get the work at a much lower yeah. price. Like that's not a, that's just, that's like a classic, classic story in like 20th and 21st century capitalism. And there's a version where like, no, I don't know if that happened, but like, I can't imagine that like the, like the half of the people, like I would bet money that if half the workers at Bandcamp, about 50% of the staff were let go. 
I find it hard to believe that their status and engagement with the union had nothing to do with those decisions. So I guess part of me wants to push back only because getting rid of 50% of the company kind of says to me that like ultimately they are going to do whatever they are going to do with the company, regardless of if there is a union or not. Because getting rid of 50, because again, if you think of, I guess, sorry, I guess like having been through two rounds of playoffs the last year and having been through other rounds of playoffs at, in situations like this, part of me is just like, when you do lay off, like when I worked at GMG, Gizmodo Media Group, back in 2017 and 2018, when there was a rumor that there were going to be 40% layoffs at the company, everyone basically was just like, oh, well, what am I doing here day to day? Like, what's the point of coming into work if you think, oh, like, two of every five people you see are going to be gone? Like, getting rid of 50% of the company, to me, kind of just sort of sounds like you guys, like, they basically were going to be doing something Again, I don't know if it's song creator, epic, I don't really know. But like there was a trajectory and a vision that was enacted on this company that to me existed almost regardless of if there was going to be a union or not. Like the, they kind of knew that they were interested in X, Y, or Z with Fancamp. And that's all that they maybe. really wanted. But I don't think maybe. That like, but I don't yeah, I don't think having I think if they didn't have the union, we could be sitting in the exact same place here and having the exact same conversation. And it really wouldn't be any different. I don't really think the union really like changed it one way or another because ultimately they had a vision for the company that was significantly different than what publicly they were just stating a week ago. And it's also significantly different than what Bank, what I'm sorry, what Epic stated a year and a half ago. Because there was nothing right. about what Epic said a year and a half ago that was about like, we're looking to prune the company to try to have this, 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 and this. They kept talking about like all these integrations or ways that they can sort of work together that never actually really came true either, which I guess is my other like thing about this acquisition now about the bank if it was acquisition was like in my own newsletter, I wrote that I wasn't going to speculate on like what this means because I mm-hmm. wor- when I worked at SoundCloud, when we bought companies, there was no vision. There was no follow through. We bought them because a certain executive or a certain team of executives wanted to buy a company mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. tell a story to certain people, yeah. i.e. internally or externally, and they bought the company. And then we basically spent the next few years trying to figure out what the fuck that meant. And no, I've I seen was, I was just that yeah. so yeah. many times with so many different companies, and especially in the tech space, where you look at companies like Amazon and Google, where you look at a lot of their acquisitions over time, and quite often those companies get shuttered, those projects ended and slowly terminated because there was never a real vision. They just basically wanted to like poach it to stop it or poach it to tell someone that we're thinking about this. It's like, I, I just have a really hard time sort of not just sort of thinking this feels much closer to that than there was like a vision that they're trying to en- enact at this point or were trying to enact back in 2022. Yeah, that, that I mean, that that sounds, that was the one thing I was going to say too. I'm like, it, it, could, it could be, you know, I'm sure maybe the whatever the red tape that a union causes or the difficulties that the union caused maybe contributed to it. But I, I totally, it, I think that like on our episode, I, or at least leading up to the episode, Sam, you and I kind of like were, I think really trying to think through like what the fuck Epic wanted to do with Bandcamp. Yeah, and like you know we had some theories, but I think in the end, it, I think the internet in general, the music journalism, music industry, uh, internet in general was like, huh? <laughs> and, and I think that, that like 
that's kind of what David, David is. I think it might have been that case. I mean, we can't know, but I think it definitely might have been a case that like some execs had an idea about what to do with it or like some sort of long term vision about how it could like help something with like music licensing or music for video games or whatever. And then they just sat yeah. with it for 18 months and then they're like, okay, let's just fucking get rid of this. Like, it's like annoying. We don't, we're not doing anything with it. <laughs> well, except like, except that I would argue, I mean, one of the things that's weird, a little bit weird, is timing, right? Like, Epic is not talking about companies that really make stuff, right? Like the video game companies and companies like Epic are not, as far as I know, like strapped for cash, right? Well, so, I don't even know about that. Don't, sorry, the only reason I say this is because they did announce 16% layoffs at their own company. Hmm. And they did say that, that we've been hiring too much the last couple of years. And also, again, I don't have like the numbers to immediately back this up because I didn't do the research, but I'm going to bet you that 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 Fortnite is less popular in twenty in October twenty twenty three than it was in June twenty twenty two. I mean, sorry, June twenty twenty one or December twenty twenty. I'm gonna bet it's less popular than it was then. So to maybe like uh, transition to another topic and to wrap this uh, this uh, our inaugural conversation with uh, uh, as a collaborative team with uh, David Turner of Penny Fractions. Um, do you, uh, David, is there? Uh, uh, there's a couple other things that have been happening over the last couple of weeks, which you you mentioned in a group chat. Do I? Uh, do you want to talk about any of that? Yeah, um, just very briefly. Um, so yesterday, I guess mon- so Monday, October 16th, it was reported that hypnosis, the hypnosis song fund. I won't. I, I cannot. I do the hypnosis. Yeah, is like it's incredibly complicated parts, now. Which you guys, which we've talked about before, and I don't want to re-explain. Um, but basically, right now, hypnosis was supposed to issue a dividend. And then yesterday they announced they will not be issuing that dividend to their to their shareholders because they miscalculated oh, shit. <laughs> because they miscalculated the amount of money they were going to make on a copyright royalty board ruling. Like again, Whoops. this is also arcane. But the main takeaway that I like sort of had from this was like hypnosis at the end of the month, which hypnosis again is like one of the biggest sort of companies in the song asset world. Like They've raised well over a billion dollars from folks like the Black, like the Blackstone Group, and many uh, and many other sort of like big sort of m- m- like big money folks. They were supposed to have like a shareholder vote that was supposed to be one to approve a potential sale of part of their assets to their Blackstone backed group, like like their back their Blackstone backed fund, and then they also supposed to have a continuation vote on if the fund should continue to remain public. And then yesterday, as soon as this dividend payment was was shown to not happen, their stock price went down by like over like fifteen percent. It's now at the lowest it's ever been. Basically, Holy all shit. the reporting said there's no way that initial sale is going through, and that there's even questioning if they if the company may end up actually being maybe taken private after this. Which I guess. Having been on your show multiple times to talk about song catalog, I just do think there is something like lightly funny, I think, starting to happen in that space where it seems like that bubble is actually starting to burst and that like the amount of investment in the in the capital raise the last few years may finally be kind of sort of like hitting its sort of end state. It's in stages, or at least like Neil Young just w- laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> well, I was talking to a friend of mine, and one of the things that he said that I just he said a couple of things I thought were just really smart, which is one, some of these artists actually probably were right. Like some of the artists that were selling in 2019, 2020, and 2021 may have been really smart to have actually sold their catalogs then. Yeah, because they saw for some of, Yeah, yeah, and for some of these companies, they likely are sitting on catalogs that they have no interest in actually owning. 
And do you know who's ready to probably buy them back? Probably some of these artists may eventually have a chance to buy back some of their things on pennies on the dollar if oh, things don't go great. Holy Yo, shit. Artists, artists, the version where artists are shorting, <laughs> artists are shorting their own, Fuck. like, Catalogs. artists are shorting their own, the value of their songwriting as equities is unbelievable. I love that. Yeah, so, so I, I just wanted to mention that because I think there's like something. I, I still think there's a lot more to be said about the song asset like space. I think it's just been like a really interesting bubble to follow up the last few years. And this hypnosis sort of latest drama and sort of royal with there is um is like is really is really funny. <laughs> it's just very funny. Just to wrap um, things up yeah. with Bandcamp though, like what do you think though? Uh, first off. I think we ha- we we've really done our readers our listeners a disservice by not pointing out that Song Trader is missing all the values in the end of Trader. It's got like the most ideal tech name I can imagine, which is Song Trader. It's like Mr. Craft Song Trader. <laughs> well, you know, okay, so so this is this is what's interesting and it's like so dystopian in a it makes a lot of sense it's very dystopian and if it's totally possible that like Another another spin on what happened between Epic and Bandcamp because Epic had a set of ideas about how to integrate something like Bandcamp into these like ongoing basically like like the metaverse is here and it's and it's Fortnite. Um, they realized that actually that was like that's not that didn't make sense directly, but something like Song Trader owning Bandcamp is really interesting. So basically, Song Trader is a sync platform, right? If it is a platform that is designed to help artists license their music and help people who want to find music to license in their digital work to, to find music, right? And that can be, so I checked out, like poked around the website a little bit. It's got a couple different plans. Like one is like, if you're an individual creator, there's one plan where you can both get access to like these huge bodies of royalty free songs or that like are in the song trader (laughs) copyright universe or (laughs) it's like marvel um or like you can like they'll help you negotiate and maybe have like set deals for like the use of like single songs from other stuff but basically it's this huge warehouse of tracks that you can use to sync um and again for anyone um who's thinking about this to remember that like there's set royalties for playing songs in public or reproducing songs but if you make music and use it as part as a constituent element within a new work of art in which means if you put it in the background of a video that's a different license that there's no statutory rate for that which is why like the use of like i don't know street fighting man in a in a like scorsese movie can cost like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars where playing street fighting man on the radio costs like fractions of a cent um and so this created this huge problem when a million literally a million streamers need background videos and uh, sorry background music for their videos and so you've got like song traders not the only one or i don't think even close to the biggest one of these companies that basically offers warehouses of music easily accessible music for use and like a whole bunch of what I can only assume isn't going to be increasingly AI assisted search. So like 
I poked around and you can search for like songs that sound like an artist or songs that sound like a vibe or songs that sound like a specific song. And the <laughs> the music is incredibly bad. <laughs> and what's interesting is like maybe they're trying to make it good. <laughs> well, no, no, that's that's what's crazy though, right? Like if you if you were if you had Bandcamp integrated into this, and all of a sudden you wrote to all the Bandcamp people, all the people who host their music on Bandcamp, and said like, with like us, do you want to opt in? to like having your music potentially be licensed. We can even play either pay you a flat fee or you could be negotiated. Basically, if you could bring that other library of like m- far more far hipper, like far more music with far more critical cachet than like the tr- <laughs> truly terrible <laughs> examples of songs like hip upbeat dark electronic angry like those are like the descriptors which, for like one song which which you know actually to, to go full circle and maybe there's a point to wrap up on it you know i'll let you you two decide that but to go full circle that's kind of how the editorial was of Bandcamp. is that kind of like a fucked up thing to say but the way that they would categorize editorial were like best new jazz best new ambient best in like punk rock best in metal you know it is the sort of like weird categorizing categorizing that like will totally service and like yeah this service yeah it, no i don't think you're 100 percent wrong and like it's like dark because it just means Yikes. like yeah music is always being used to sell stuff like waves hand in a vague direction generally Absolutely. <laughs> it's it's really depressing when it's like <laughs> you know, music stuff. being used to sell this thing <laughs> and this music being used to sell this thing for this amount which makes this amount of money and we have the data for it like that becomes like claustrophobic <laughs> really yes. quickly, yes, I think. Exactly. And like, it's yeah. totally possible that it just means that like all of the independent music will all of a sudden be, and some artists it'll be good for, right? You you want people to monetize, be able to monetize, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you do. You want people to be able to monetize. It's just like having to say things like you want all the independent artists to be able to monetize. Yeah. Like, it makes your soul die a little bit every time you have to say it, but it, it's also just like the world we live in. And like so this integration makes sense and then maybe like given that kind of built out platform like when song trader gets used by epic like it'll work more efficiently because my understanding again from some of this kind of like beat around you know beating the hedges for 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 gossip it seems like uh, epic already uses song trader for a variety of stuff like yeah it makes a certain amount of business sense but yeah it's this version where like this community is yeah I, I, Not I mean, strip for parts, but yeah, like my last two cents I just wanted to throw on throw into this is that song trader, and I guess this is for my um skeptical eye having also I don't know I got a lot of emails when I was working at SoundCloud from a lot of startups that like you would read their description and you're like I have no idea what this company is doing, and then you'd be like oh they've actually raised money that's frightening. Um, song trader has raised over a hundred million dollars, um, which yeah, valued at three hundred million. Which I would just throw out there, I'm going to guess that that company's revenue is not at all anything close to justifying the $100 million that's been raised. And that's all I'll say. I mean, I could be proven wrong, obviously, but having looked at a lot of startups and looked at a lot of these companies and looked at some of the companies that SongTrader has recently acquired on the more B2B, more B2B side of the business, my hunch is that this company probably does not generate a revenue, much less a profit to justify the over nine figures raised for them. So 
good luck to them. I mean, this is that's also, dude, that's the most depressing version, which is that even in this like dying embers of like this market, it's sort of like <laughs> you know Lord of the Rings. Oh, actually, I don't. I've never seen them. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners have. <laughs> Sorry, it's so funny, David, because I have it. Yeah, I'm sure the listeners know. <laughs> I'm the only. Well, you guys, that's that's a conversation <laughs> for another day. Um. Anyway, like. They defeat Sauron, who's, like, the big bad yeah, guy, sorry. but then they, like, go back to home, and, like, this, like, mid-level bad guy that they defeated in, like, the second of the three books has, like, basically, like, gone to their hometown and set up shop as, like, a low-level thug, and, like, having returned from the war, you expect the books to just be, like, over and happy, and then, like, no, there's another, like, something like 20% of the last book is like they get home and everything's fucked and nothing's okay. And they have to like deal with this final, like very low stakes, but very like violent situation in their hometown. And it's a total bummer of an ending. That's actually, it's not in the movies. Um, the harrowing of the Shire. And I kind of feel like the worst case scenario is like, we're in a harrowing, harrowing of the Shire moment where like the big bubble has burst, but like, song trader still has some vc backed money right enough vc backed money that even though they are not a functional business they've like managed to survive many many similar kind of bubbly businesses falling away and they have just enough life left to like reach out and buy Bandcamp, which from reports again we don't know and everyone's positioning themselves was like sounded like when Epic bought it, was making Surviving. a profit, not a huge profit, but was like a company with a cash flow. And it's totally possible that like the dying embers of the tech bubble has just enough money to buy this like profitable but slow growing company, get it, try to like do whatever the hell like tech companies do, scale in some way, realize that in order to do that and to pay off like the money that they've borrowed raised right in order to do all this like that they have to like cut corners and doing yeah. so absolutely slash everything to the bone and ruin the company and it's just this depressing thing where it's like it's one thing if like epic which is at least a big company with resources buys Bandcamp. it's like the the the, the most dystopian version is like it's not even like <laughs> it's not a big boss who ruins Bandcamp. it's like some weird little sync company basically that like this band camp which is a community that a lot of people find a lot of meaning from and like it's possible that it'll be stripped for parts for like a third rate grifter dream that's not that's my view yeah that's my view not saying legal legal yeah we're not saying that song trader is a third rate grifter dream we're saying like absolutely not saying that we're saying like it would be a shame if anything like that occurred or if if Bandcamp ended up being being stripped for parts but we're not <laughs> insulting any company living or dead <laughs> and like david said the dream may not be fully over so we'll put a bow on this uh noggle episode of the money for nothing Penny Fractions collab with David Turner. 
Uh, we'll be doing these periodically, mm-hmm. maybe every other week, but we'll see. <laughs> and please do but email either yeah. David or us with uh, the best name suggestion. We'll get a shout out in the show and <laughs> the privilege and honor of having <laughs> having these episodes named after their suggestion. So we're struggling maybe hit us us with this maybe maybe (laughs) (laughs) we'll see we'll see if we like them all right y'all catch you next time bye